0: Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D show, we talk about games with various leveled characters in them and how should they kind of play together, as well as metagaming and how to stop it. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir.
1: Hello, everybody. Good Saturday morning. Good Saturday
0: morning. And thank you guys so much for coming out and just hanging out with us. Uh, It's awesome. And to all of our new podcast listeners, hello to those people. And to our YouTube friends, hello from YouTube. Um, We're like, we're like sending out the Saturday morning d d show on all possible formats we can possibly think of. So <laughs> it's fantastic.
1: Um, already a big crowd in there, too. Say what? There's already a good crowd in there, too, in, in chat.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, I have a kitten that has decided to uh, play with the cords underneath my uh, desk. So um, if I just randomly lose connection, it's probably because he pulled the power cord. Um, but hopefully that won't happen. Uh, yeah, what's going on in D&D? Well, well it seems we pretty were just, slow. Yeah, it yeah, seems slow. We were, slow. We were, were trying to it. figure that out.
1: <laughs> yeah, like last week, we had a bunch to talk about because there were some videos and stuff coming out. And then this week, I was looking around, and there was just the one video, um, Happy Hour. That he's been spending, Mike Morales has been spending a lot of time on the psionics um, and several different classes and working that thing out. So if you've been watching that, show from them for the last month or so. He's been really diving into that. And I think there's a lot of people that are super interested in psionics, but I also think it's more of a niche group of the Dungeons and Dragons community that are like, yeah. I really need Psionics for my game. So I it's feel like you weird. either
0: really love Psionics or you really don't. Like there's not yeah, a lot of Yeah, Or like just you really kinda, don't care. Like, or really don't care, yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's been going on. And then Jeremy did his kind of review of um, the they're doing the Sorcerer Giant Soul Sorcerer, which was uh, the one they've been talking about quite a bit. But that's about it. That's all we've really gotten. And then I was telling Jordan just before the show started, it may be because I just remembered as we were starting that they were doing the big gaming event that you could have signed up for and got a seat in to play a game with Mike Burroughs and Chris Perkins and them if you were in London Mm -hmm. in a castle Uh, for that big event and that's happening this weekend I believe so
0: that might be the other reason yeah because I I follow Satine Phoenix on Instagram and she was posting a bunch of pictures from London so I was like oh that makes sense that you guys are over there now for that because I do remember that but it was a it was a while ago they had that for sale
1: yeah yeah when I saw it I went and looked at the price because one of the things that me and my wife had wanted to do Probably in the next five years, maybe 10 years, mm-hmm. we want to do a European vacation. So I was, my brain went immediately to, okay, wait a minute. Now is the I time. We're going to play of Dragons in a castle. She won't care because she'll be in a castle in London. This will be great. Uh, but the price was a little pricey for yeah. me to jump in on that one. So uh, we're going to wait a little bit. And then, you know, trying to buy the new house, which is the other reason that things are kind of slow at the moment for us is that. We're getting ready to sell a house. We're still looking to mm. buy a house. We're, we're doing all that crap. So there's a lot of stuff going on with that. So.
0: Um, so do you think there's all this psionics talk? Because, well, A, people, like we were saying, people like psionics. Some people like psionics. Um, but with the the book that they're intending to uh, announce about campaign settings, and if and if it'll this campaign setting book will have the psionic rules in it because certain campaigns require psionics.
1: It could be, Um, the only other thing that I was thinking it might be, I think it's gonna lead into that, is I feel like Mike Merles has been doing his happy fun hour is about building a subclass and he's been building, You know, he did subclasses for all of them I think at this point. So he did one for a wizard, a sorcerer, a fighter, a rogue. There was all these different ones that you could, that he was Mm -hmm. building and showing you the process. But the one process they hadn't shown us yet And I think it's a process that a lot of people are interested in. Thanks for the, I just heard the, ding um, (laughs) is they haven't shown us what happens when you build a class, which means if you build a whole new class for Dungeons and Dragons, that's a little bit different than saying, Hey, we're going to put out two or three subclasses in Xanathars. That's like a whole different design subject. So I was wondering if they were starting to broach that because I'm pretty sure they get a lot of requests about when are we going to see new classes? When are we going to, because you don't see that very often. It's usually the core classes and then you get add-ons to those. They don't often add something new. So I wonder if it's part of that, just kind of answering those people that are like, Hey, we want new classes or we want anything. But the unearthed arcana had come out. Like if you look back at the unearthed arcana articles Mm -hmm. from a year or two ago, or at least a, at least a year and a half ago, most of that stuff has now finally made it into a book of some sort. Whereas yeah. psionics haven't. So like the, cause we've had somebody play a mystic in one of our games and it's kind of a weird <clears throat> class. It was, it was kind of a strange one. Um, and I don't know if they were happy with it.
0: I mean, there's certain things like the, like the warforged race hasn't made it into a book yet that was in our Arthur Um, the revised ranger never made it into Xanathar's guide, which I was really surprised about. I thought that that was exactly what it was going to be. But then I think they actually, now that I say that out loud, I'm pretty sure wizards of the coast said that the revised ranger wants to be something that they give out for free. Um, Mm -hmm. as a, here we're fixing the ranger for you. Um, as opposed to, uh, having putting, putting it behind a paywall basically. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Like, Not everything from Unearthed Arcana has has made it into a book, Uh, but I think we definitely see the design influences that they they got information from Unearthed Arcana. Like that wizard in Xanathar's Guide, I think, was very much the... uh, Do you remember the Unearthed Arcana wizard that could change the saving throw for his spells? So instead of a dex saving throw for Fireball, you could make it a constitution saving throw or you could make it an intelligence saving throw, which was stupidly overpowered because i mean <laughs> like gamers that are uh uh mid maxers are just going to be like well let's just find your weakest stat and i'll change it to that and and obviously blow it up but like i feel like the war wizard in Xanathers was heavily influenced by that one um yeah. so i don't know there's uh yeah i need to i want to play more on earth dark Hanna. i played the the Spore Druid in a game, and that was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and I really liked that, and I really wanted that to make it into Xanathers but didn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That was really yeah, fun. I like the concept was, of the Spore Druid a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: Like a lot of the races, Like, and like you said, it's not everything, but I bet it, the percentage is pretty high. I bet it's like a 75% or a 60% or something pretty high of what they've done, so they're kind of working through that backlog. And I see a lot of chat already asking stuff like, do you like the direction of psionics that they're taking in? I'm like, it's it's hard for me to say because I so, I played the Mystic and I didn't like the UA Mystic that they put out, but right. I like where he's trying to take it now. But it's not very much different than the other stuff, right? So it, it's starting to feel like they can't make something too different. Everything's getting a little bit of homogenized across yeah. all the Classes now because you'll have a sorcerer that can heal you'll have uh you know you'll have a a cleric that is uh, has a domain of magic for a magic god so all of a sudden they're almost like a wizard in some Mm -hmm. ways all these people have all the classes are starting to get cross skills um that they can use so it'll be interesting i think
0: yeah i'm wondering how you do say and i haven't actually been following the psionics so i don't know what he's been putting in there but like you already have a monk that has key points. You have a sorcerer that has sorcerer points. Like you, are you going to make the psionics points like that? And then it feels like a monk or a sorcerer, or are you going to make it have spell slots? Well, then it feels like a wizard and a sorcerer. And like, how do you, I mean, I don't know. How do you make that different? And I don't know if you, I don't know, like that's, I guess their job as wizards of the coast is to try and figure out yeah. a way. So
1: And it always seems like if you're going to move off the Vancian magic style, most people go to points immediately as if that's the default way to do right. magic but i also think they're trying to think of not just the obvious way to do it which is just let's just go to a points based system if you're not using vancian you know yeah. style magic so it's it's definitely interesting we'll have to see the end result because it's cool to see a class because when you build a class you also have to build subclasses you have to build specializations yep. of some sort whatever they're going to be called for that for that psionic or that mystic or Um, I think it has to to be different
0: enough that you can then flavor it three different ways or however many subclasses you want to do. Yeah.
1: Right. You can't get away with just a class. You have to have at least probably three I would imagine Mm -hmm. or two in the player's handbook, right? Each one had two in the player's handbook. Maybe a couple of them had three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like the the rogue had two, I think, or the thief. No, the rogue had three. Yeah. I don't know. Like mostly three, I think they had so. Yeah,
1: two or three. Yeah, I was seeing. That's what I was. Or the sorcerer had two because it
0: had wild magic or draconic magic.
1: Yeah, because ranger had two. The wizard had quite a few. Because the the, yeah, all the different schools of magic basically. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. those
1: might be counted differently, but yeah, yeah. So that that'll be interesting. I think um, I'll be excited to see what book they release it in. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. is it coming in a book that is attached to a campaign setting? Are they coming in another book that's a rule setting? Is it coming in a book that's a monster setting? I mean, really, what do they got? I mean, they've got a campaign setting book coming up, which is the Waterdeep um, Heist, right? And then Waterdeep uh Well, that's Tales the adventure. Of- what I was talking about right. is
0: they released or they said that they were gonna do like a, a book on campaign settings.
1: Right. That's which yeah, they, that's they haven't I was announced to. Yet. So they're yeah, they're doing their next adventure. They just got done doing almost back to back two monster manuals in a way if you think of volos and 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 then Tomb of annihilation in between that so it's been kind of adventure monster book adventure monster book right adventure Mm -hmm. now now let's see what it's going to do is the next one if it's Mm -hmm. not a monster book then like you said it's the different campaigns book is it a planes book is it uh you know what what could it be and then what's going to be in that so it'll be interesting to see um, I'm excited for a new campaign or some of the campaigns. I'm excited to see, um, some changes in the living campaign. Cause I know some surveys have gone out and I know you have a lot to talk about, um, when we get up to what the, some of the stuff you've been up to over the week. And we'll probably talk a lot about, um, adventure league stuff. Cause I'd like to see some new living campaign stuff. Yeah. And really it was funny because it, it this is going to be like inception, um, indoor adventure had put out a video this week that where he had said, Hey, Jordan and and, and Lucian, thanks for uh, and I think it was uh, oh, in uh, Gay Methuselah, he was like, Hey, thanks for inspiring me to make this video about Adventure League and how it started mm-hmm. and where it is and what it's at. And then to me, that inspired me to think about, Oh, well, wait a minute, what can we do to change it? Or what are some of the new ones? Or hey, I want to go look at this living Greyhawk world or whatever. Yeah. So it's just kind of one person inspiring another. and comes right back around inspires us against us pretty- yeah i
0: just watched that video and it was uh, right before we started recording this, and uh, it's it's really good and i didn't know a lot about the living Greyhawk stuff so it was kind of interesting yeah. to see it from a from a design standpoint how did they implement this living world rather than what was the living world you know uh yeah. it was really cool so yeah, yeah it, go see that a video lot of food
1: for <laughs> food for thought this week because your video <laughs> earlier in the week also which was why is forgotten realms important there was a lot of good discussion from people watching that. yeah and I, watched, I went through it and watched it and i was like oh yeah it kind of makes me think of where it started where where it was a couple of years ago where it is right now at mm-hmm. this moment where might it go later on um there's a lot to it and it's amazing that i'm still interested in finding out more about it even though Some people may say it's, it's been done, Mm. it's overdone or it's too much, or there's all, you know, I'm, I'm on board with new stuff too. I get that person like, Hey, let's see some new stuff too, but there's still cool stuff in forgotten realms that I'm just interested in learning more about and, um, and understanding and knowing how the history is or some of these areas that you pointed out on the map. And like Mm. my borderlands area is taking place in the continent. That's way over to the West of, Um, the Sword Coast area, which is like two other continents. You kind of even mentioned them in your video that, hey, there is Al-Qadam and there is, um, I forget the name of the other main continent. Yeah, that are way over there that are just open for interpretation because there's like maybe a paragraph of information on it that you can find and it's just left to the imagination after that. But it is the places where you can play an Azteca-type campaign Mm -hmm. or a feudal Japanese campaign. Mm -hmm. There are those places only mentioned, not detailed out in Forgotten Realms, if you want to go to those places. If you mm-hmm. want to. So that's really cool, too. And I'd like to be able to explore some of that. So it, it's been funny, because this week was a week of not playing much, but just thinking about where I want to go in the hobby next, Yeah. where I want to take my games next, where I want to create some things. And uh, it was just really fun, because even though it was a slow news week, it It allows your brain to just start thinking about what you want to do and where you want to go next.
0: Okay, Uh, I need to move this cat. (laughs) That's it. Cat done.
1: (laughs) Cat is done. (laughs) This is gonna be the wife. Come take care of the cat.
0: (laughs) All right. So because cat is going crazy and destroying the cords of my computer, so I apologize. and no, all don't. of you can like shun Felix, you know, <laughs> shun, shun. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. No, no cats were harmed in this episode. No, no he animals. was just
0: moved outside the door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. Well, as far as this week, which is weird, we probably were rambling on a little bit because I think same with Jordan, I didn't have any Dungeons and Dragons this week. All of the games that were planned, um, Tuesday night, uh, Tomb of Annihilation, uh, rescheduled. Uh, one of our players didn't feel well. Then Thursday night, we had one of our players. is he's, He hosts like Boy Scout camps and stuff sometimes, so now we hit summer. And yeah. he thought that they might be in a spot where he could be sitting with some Wi-Fi and a laptop, and he might be able to play once he got everything settled down. I thought that was kind of funny that somebody wanted to play in a game bad enough to say, hey, I'm on a camping trip, but... I think there's Wi-Fi, so I think I can get in and I play. I don't want to stop playing. (laughs) it's funny. Like, imagine that eventually our campgrounds have good enough Wi-Fi that we don't have to not just stop our gaming over the summer. We can just go out to camp, you know, wherever, Yosemite or whatever, and play play Dungeons & Dragons. So that got canceled because he didn't have the Wi-Fi that he thought. So we're at a big climax point of the campaign, and I didn't want um, him to miss it or one of my Mm -hmm. players to miss this big part. So we just decided to shelve it. We're going to run it on this coming up Monday when he's back. And we're going to run that, um, run the rest of that West Marches game, pre-West Marches game. So really nothing happened. And then I thought about maybe finding people to say, hey, do you want to do something on Friday? But then everybody was kind of a little busy. And then Saturday's game, we thought we might be – I was trying to set one up with Dave the Human from over on uh, the Roll20 channel. He mm-hmm. does a lot of stuff with Adam Coble. He's, he's agreed to play a game with us, which is cool but that he lives in London. So we got to really work around a weird schedule if we're going to get somebody from Europe into our games. So we're still working on that. That might not happen. So that left my whole week to brainstorming some ideas um, of where I want to take my next campaign because Storm King Thunder is on break, but is going to start up again soon. And we're going to finish that campaign in that book out, but I bet we're not more than a couple of months away from being able to finish that. If I can get several sessions in a row without people missing, Mm -hmm. we could probably finish that in a month or two and that adventure will be over and we'll be good and I'll have to decide what I want to do at that point. Um, I want to end my West Marches, my pre-West Marches game on a nice, good, high climactic story point and I want to advance my storyline to 50 years ahead of time and then I want to start letting groups in of people into this world that we've now developed in this pre-West Marches game. So that's going to be cool. So I had to really think about what do I want to do with my campaigns and where I'm going to go? And I, and one idea that came up to me and I wrote it in here that I thought was really interesting is what about a campaign where the players have several characters, they can have them any level they want. You can tell them when they ask you, what characters do you want to build? I just, you just say, whatever you want, build whatever. And then whenever a session is going to happen a Thursday night, the players choose which characters they want to play. So maybe they've made some low level characters, maybe they made some mid level characters, and maybe they made some high level characters. Mm -hmm. By the time Thursday comes around, they've all talked on Discord or Twitter or Facebook or however you're communicating with all of them. And they just decide, hey, you know what? Let's play our eighth level characters or let's play our our mid range. They maybe don't have to be exactly the same. Like I was wondering if I wanted to get out of this idea. The reason I started coming up with this was We always try to make our campaigns where everybody's the exact same level or super close. Mm -hmm. But what if we came at it with, let them have widely ranging levels of characters. You know, they did it in MMOs, which is the reason they did it in computer gaming, because what happened was if you said only me and Jordan could play, if we're both eighth level and then I play all week, but Jordan went on vacation and when he comes back the next week, Now I'm 15th level and he's 8th level. Now we can't play together anymore. Computer games figured out we don't want our customers not to be able to play with their friends, right? We need to have a way for them to play together. So what would happen is they would do scaling, Mm -hmm. right? So they would scale the content so that no matter – they could either scale up or scale down. So sometimes some of the groups would say, well, scale all the lower ones down to where the lowest person was and then they could go do content and it would all made sense. Or they might scale the lower player up to catch up with all the other people and then that way you weren't one-shotted, you weren't killed immediately, you had tons of hit points to do absorb stuff. Even if you didn't have a bunch of new skills, you were tough enough to still roll with your friends and go through the content. So they had to figure that out. They had to figure this idea of not how to splinter your customer base. Because level disparity started to happen. And it happened because a lot of these games had just like Dungeons and Dragons, one to twenty, right? We don't get this in other games a lot of the times. We don't get this in games like Numenera. Do you remember what level character you had in Numenera?
0: Uh well, we were level one, like I assume. There's but not really like, a level, Yeah, there's not yes, really like a leveling system. Yeah, we but just yeah, like a tier one. We and were and a tier four. one. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's not much
1: difference really. So there's a lot of games out there where the level isn't it's more ambiguous than it is regimented, like Dungeons and Dragons, one to 20. So I started mm. thinking, wrap it all the way back around. What about a campaign where it didn't matter what level the characters were? Could you build a campaign? Could you build an adventure? Could you build fun encounters that could accommodate wide ranging levels of characters as a challenge?
0: Yeah. I mean, so in Adventure League, you are, if you're level one to four, five you're or one to four you're not allowed to play with the five to nines mm-hmm. um because of that because you'll you'll get one-shotted you'll get killed you'll this and like that's just a hard and fast rule so like if you show up and it's just like sorry we're a tier two table you can't play because you're tier one um and i think yeah. that's balanced and i think D D is balanced around people being of a similar level so you start throwing something like this out there and and if you're talking about well I'm going to be my 8th level guy but we're going to scale down my hit points and abilities so that I'm 3rd level so that I fit in this then I would see the players reacting to that saying, "Well, I don't want to play my 8th level guy if I don't get to use my 8th level stuff." Like that's the whole right. that's the reason I got there was to have this fun stuff. Yeah. Um well, So you, and, I don't know I like it's an interesting idea, but I don't know yeah. if it would work how you're imagining it would work no no
1: yeah and and i don't think the the correct way is to do it the way the computer gaming did it okay but just that they did try to tackle it and here's the thing many players in an mmo world of warcraft dark age camelot everquest all these ones were absolutely willing when they finally talked their friend into playing to take their high level character that had tons of abilities and tons of stuff and get ramped down so they could play with their buddy that they just talked into playing. So imagine you're an eighth level character at Adventure League and you just talked your wife into going to Adventure League with you and she has a level one character. You don't want her being at a different table. You would rather have her at your table even if you couldn't use all your abilities, right? Right. So I think there is some of that, but I do agree that if I have a high level character, I want to use the high level stuff
0: too. So I don't think it's ratcheting up but what about i think keeping it in those groups like 1 to 4 or 5 to 9 or 10 to 14 Like that works because, and I've just seen that work at adventure league. Like we do it all the time where it's like, I'm level three or I'm level four. And there's a new level one guy that comes to adventure league to try it out. And he runs around with us and he kind of stays in the back and like throws spells or whatever else, because he knows that he could get hurt. And then when he does get hurt or like one shotted, because we're fighting, you know, monsters for a range of like, of like three to five, um, I can still run up and cure him and bring him back. Um, right. And it's, and it's worked out really well and they have fun. And because we're fighting higher level stuff, they usually like level up in one session because they're getting more experience than if it was a a group of five uh, level ones. So. Right, which is a
1: way to help your person that you've talked into playing catch up to you. Yeah. Cause if you want them to be able to play with you normally, you want them gaining experience a little quicker. So mm-hmm. you might tackle something a little harder because you have a higher level character that can help get them through that. So if you go and fight a fire giant because you're level eight and you you can go toe to toe with a fire giant. That's going to help that level one. You're going to skyrocket right up to like level two or three pretty quick if you do it that way. But here's the challenge. So I was thinking about that and I was thinking, well, okay, we could adjust the players in some way, but what if you said, don't touch the players, don't change the players, don't change their hit points, their skills, their abilities, leave them as they are. They're going to be a mixed group. How do you change the encounter to make it good? Could the encounter have a high-level creature, some low-level creatures, and a mid-level creature all about the same-ish level as the players that are doing, because we already kind of build encounters to be a good challenge for our groups anyways, and let let the players figure out how to beat that. Like, you know you're the 8th-level dude, so you know you have to tackle the giant. You can't just let it roam around and do whatever it wants because you're the only one that can take those hits Mm -hmm. but your your wife who's playing maybe the second level or the third level they can take on the um, the orcs that are with it or the goblins or whatever and they know that that's their role so the idea gets to be you know that the encounter is multifaceted just like your group is multifaceted so then could it be a fun adventure
0: No, it could. There's some math there because if you're level five, you don't want to be like, well, I'll take the CR five monster. Like it doesn't work like that, but (laughs) uh, you, you could definitely, I mean, we build encounters like that all the time. um, And you just have to be loose with monster intelligence. Like, are they going to, you know, ants on sugar go for the weakest person because that's what is written in the monster manual, how they act. Or do you just kind of say like, well, he got hit by this thing, so it's going to be one on one fight, one on one fight, one on one fight here? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel like you want to use the system that we already have, which is experience points. And if somebody misses, then they don't get the experience, so they're lagging behind. Or you have a new player that wants to join, and they have to join at level one because of experience points. And that system's already there, so use it like mm-hmm. like i don't know use the X- xp system and just kind of like power level your level 1 up to level 3 or 4 because you're he's running around with a bunch of level 4 or 5s
1: right and that's to me that would be the challenge like if you said in your game um I have this group, Lucian, and you can join if you want, but they're already level five. Yeah. And if you come in, I'm I'm a stickler. I you got to play from one yeah. to whatever. I don't let people jump. I would jump on that and say, hey man, I can play level one. I know how to hide behind a tree. Yeah. When the battle starts <laughs> getting going crazy, I know how to stay out of trouble. I know how to play that, but you're right. I think you have to have the right players to do that. And I think as a DM, you have to have a really good knowledge of the game to be able to create an encounter that allows them to do it. I think the one rule change I would do if I was gonna try this out, if I was gonna experiment with it, is that no single hit can kill a character, but it can knock them unconscious. Mm -hmm. So it alleviates the problem of, let's say the fire giant does throw the rock, which is something like 8D, 10 damage, or some crazy number of damage, Mm -hmm. even if they decide to throw the rock at the level one character, and the level one character obviously goes right to zero, you don't do the math that says, you know, take down, if you lose this much hit points, you're automatically out of the game, you're dead. So I think there's that rule in the player's handbook that says, if you take too much damage, you're yeah, just yeah. If you there take like double
0: damage. your hit points in damage, you are yeah. dead without saving throws. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd remove that. That makes sense. I mean, if that's what you want to do. So, I don't know. Yeah. This whole conversation them. got me. I've been reading a lot of Dungeon Crawl Classics, and uh, which is another RPG that I've discovered and now I'm obsessed with. But uh, you in Dungeon Crawl Classics, you start out with like four level zero peasants. And then mm-hmm. you go on an adventure, and and basically it's the the ones who survive level up to become fighters and wizards and clerics and things like that. So and I like I thought that idea would work too with this kind of situation where you could say let's all just create you know three level one characters and maybe put them in a level four or a level three kind of fight and see who survives that <laughs> uh, because you are getting like. A whole bunch of attacks although those attacks might not hit because the guy has a high ic and he's kind of ac and he's kind of balanced for a party of level threes um that could be interesting like what if you just increase the number of level ones to see which one survives um right there'd be a lot of math though with saving throws and things like that dungeon crawl classics has it so if a level zero peasant dies he's just dead there's no there's no saving throw there's no coming back so you really like funnel and weed out these these lower level characters but,
1: and I was thinking the reason that I even started thinking about it was, again, to tackle that problem of I want players to be able to play the character they want to play. Yeah. I don't want somebody getting grumpy or not even grumpy, but just dissatisfied because the group is still only level two and really they've been dying to get to level five, but it, it, with the games haven't been going as fast mm-hmm. and, you know, it would be really nice if I could just play this one character. And it's nice that there's somebody that likes to play lots of different characters. That's me. I like to build lots of them, but there's also those players that want to play that one and mm-hmm. they don't want to play anything else. They want to play from one to 20. That's what would make them the happiest, but we can't if we're always starting our campaigns over at eight, nine and 10, or, you know, and they kind of fizzle off and we say, Hey, let's start a whole new campaign. And yeah. one. So I was thinking it was a way, maybe there's a way to allow that to happen. And then the second part of that, that came up two radical ideas hit me in the head at the same time. What if we in, in Dungeons and Dragons, what if the GM didn't do anything with XP at all? And you let the players decide when they should level up.
0: Um, I like this idea a lot and, (laughs) but I have experienced it. Uh, kind of firsthand. So okay. my home game players, um, we, we didn't, I was going off of their leveling for various milestones. Like when they reached this milestone, they would level up and they didn't play. Like we ended up playing once a month for about three or four months and they came back and they're just like, when are we going to be level eight? Like, when are we going to be level eight? It, it's been four months. And I'm like, yeah, but you've only played four games. Um, Mm -hmm. and so they really felt because it had been a longer period of time, like they felt intrinsically that they should be leveling up right now. Whereas I'm like, no, like you, I mean, yes, if we, if we had been playing four times a month, uh, like once a week and it's been three months and you played 12 sessions, you would probably be two levels higher by now, but we Mm -hmm. have not, we've played three sessions. So you're going to be the same level that you are right now. So I think there's a, there's a feeling with players that like, I should, I should be this level right now when you really shouldn't. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, but it's, it's kind of a cool concept. Like you could talk to your players and just say like, Hey, be honest. Do you think you should be leveling up? Or they come to you at the, at the end of a session or the beginning of a session. And they're just like, no, I really feel like we should be leveling up. But how, how meta does this get though? When players are just like, yeah, I feel a boss is coming up. I really think we should be level five. So,
1: <laughs> But could you trust them? I mean, you already trust them to role play, right? You already trust them to do things that you think their character would do and not to metagame too too harshly, yeah. even though they can do a little bit of it. Um, I bet the type of players that me and you play with quite often, it's after the boss they beat is when they say, you know what, I think it's time my barbarian made fourth because we yeah. just had that really tough fight that feels like that would be a time for us to have you know a new a new level
0: right hey <laughs> we got all kinds of animal problems today <laughs> i yeah, thought that was my crazy. dog for a minute i'm just like is he whining through the door that's crazy uh no
1: it's mine
0: yeah i don't know that's uh it's i think that would be a fun game to try and and it definitely I think would right players you know players i think would want to come to the table because they would feel this sense of like oh Um, I want to show up because I know that if I, if I, I feel like if I get a couple more sessions in, we'll finally level up. So I want to like run there rather than just like, well, I don't know, maybe Jordan will level me up this round. Like we'll never know. Um, The flip side of that is what if the, what if the dungeon master was very open about milestones and you, Mm -hmm. and said, you know, like once we reach, Um, it's going to take some time to reach, you know, the gold mine, but once you reach the gold mine, you will be level this. So we're looking at maybe two or three sessions for you to level up, but you guys have to show up to those sessions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll be there. Like I want to level up. Oh, only three sessions to level four. Let's go. Let's go. So,
1: yeah, I think that could be a way. Yeah. Yeah anything that incentivizes them to show up to the games as much as possible is definitely a good Yeah, experiment. that's
0: good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think that would work. So I, I was wondering, yeah, I think it would be an interesting experiment. I know it's one of the ones, I know Greybeard had mentioned it there in chat too. It's one of the ideas we kicked around where it comes from the idea that maybe as a DM, sometimes we're more thinking about the story and where it's going in the world, and we forget the players are only really caring about their story and how fast they're moving up and when they get their next ability or when they get their next thing. And we sometimes forget Mm -hmm. about that, that need for them. And so that was one of those ideas that might do it. But the other idea was this campaign that is a 20 week campaign and every session every week that you play mm-hmm. you go up and you advance a level so week 1 yeah. you're level 1 week 2 you're level 2 week 3 you're level 3 and you and that allows for the first time i think if that happened for me i've never played a 20th level character i mean have you played a 20th no. level character well i haven't have you played played one at all, from so. 1 to
0: 20
1: <laughs> yeah have you ever played one from 1 to 15 1 to 18 yeah, no. what's the highest you played from first level to what
0: uh, for that would be my adventure league bard because I'm a forever DM. So I've gotten to yeah. level four
1: <laughs> there. I've made so,
0: higher level characters for one shots and things like that, but yeah, I've never right. liked to actually just grow as one character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think it would be interesting if maybe we, that was what this week was about for me was coming up with mm-hmm. ways for my players to be able to play those things that maybe they haven't got to yet. And a mm-hmm. lot of that's going to be the higher level stuff. I know a lot of them have built cool paladins and cool druids and cool barbarians and cool clerics but yet we've never got to let them use their 18th level ability we never let them you know use their 15th level ability or whatever it might be
0: yeah for sure no that's really interesting um I guess switching yeah. gears <laughs> unless <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah, some chat. questions in chat or something you were reading chat
1: um, nope, I was looking at it because they're all talking about it, too. It's all pretty good stuff. So that was really my week. Um, everything got rescheduled. We'll see how this week goes. Um, other than that, how did Jordan week
0: go? Um, I had a busy week. Uh, I was. We were talking earlier, and I'm like, what did I do in D&D? I don't feel like I did much, but I actually did quite a bit. Um, so my home game, I do the – I stole this from Matt Colville where he said during a short rest, roll a D12, and on an 11 – they get attacked by wandering monsters and it's a medium counter. And on a 12, they get attacked by wandering monsters and it's a, it's a dif- difficult encounter, hard encounter. Um, so it really incentivizes the players to be like, sh- do we want to take a short rest? And then also like like when we take a long rest, how like, oh, and then when you do a long rest, you roll 2d12 because you're taking a longer rest. So it's like they could they could get ambushed or something like that and i really like that idea so that your players aren't just like oh that was a fight we better take a long rest rather than it's like oh that's a fight um crap if we take a long rest there's a chance that we could get attacked again and we don't necessarily want to be attacked again so let's find a safe place because I have put like safe places in areas like if they're in a town they're not going to get attacked by wandering monsters but if they find an area where they can like barricade then I'll roll that d12 at disadvantage or something like that like it's it's a not a hard and fast rule for me but it I told that to my players and it's been really it's been working out so We were we're in my inverted pyramid, my ziggurat, and they are going through all of this. Um, They just had a really awesome fight against a couple of stone, um, like not stone giants, but actual animated stone statues that were big that were attacking them. They got past those and they were like, okay, this is an empty room. It's like kind of a safe place. Um, We want to take a short rest. And I said, okay, I'm going to roll this D12. So I rolled the D12 out in the open and it was a 12. And so I said, next session, and this was two weeks ago, so I was like, next session we'll start with whatever wandering monster that is actually in this room. And they're just like, great. So the monster I decided on was the new Ublix from mm-hmm. Mordekanen's Tome of Foes. So I did an yes. Elder Ublix, which is a really cool monster um, because it has kind of like the angler fish fishing lure, where it creates mm-hmm. like a, a, a body, like a creature um that it has those memories so i made it i made this little girl that was crying in the corner and they're Mm -hmm. just like so we're we're not alone and i'm like no you're not alone there's a little girl crying in the corner and they obviously know that i rolled a 12 on this thing so they know it's some kind of a monster but they're trying to like figure it out and they're trying to role play it and stuff eventually this ublix comes out of the wall and attacks them and they i did like 35 damage or something to the warrior and then another like 40 damage to the monk. And he was down to six hit points and he was just like, guys, I don't think we can fight this, but the only exit was back to the room that they ran out of that had these stone pillar giants that were attacking them. So they're just like, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place and they didn't know what to do. And I have, an item in my game that we call the eye of Savaris, which is really the wand of wonder, which does you roll percentile dice and it does something random whenever you use the wand of wonder. Um, But we've made it into this religious holy artifact for our monk to have, because he's a follower of Savaris. So it's a tiara on his head. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to put all of my faith into Savaris. He's going to save us. He is going to protect us from this situation. Savaris (laughs) will prevail. And he decides to use the wand of wonder, the eye of Savaris, on the ublix. He rolled percentile dice and he rolled a ninety-eight, which oh is um, instant petrification of the of the enemy. Nice. On a saving throw. So I have a saving throw, and I roll the saving throw. And now in my game, we've evolved. Um, well, we've evolved, uh, or not evolved, but like we've taken uh, inspiration points. And I've said that you can re-roll any D20 with that. So if they roll a D20 or if they have advantage, I think the actual rule of inspiration is it gives you advantage. But mm-hmm. um, we've said that, no, if you have advantage and you roll two two ones, you can use your inspiration coin to re-roll one of those. Um, mm-hmm. And I hand out coins, so that's why we call them inspiration coins. So with this... Uh, my, my, uh, cleric said, well, Hey, can I use it when you do a saving throw for one of my spells? And we were kind of like back and forth and we're just like, no, I think you can, because we'll just say you can reroll any d20 that you find. So it's like, however, this helps you. So I rolled like a 20 on his con save, which means he wasn't petrified, but they had one inspiration coin and they gave me that coin to re-roll it. And I rolled like a three. So it was instant petrification. So I had this super deadly encounter and I was really excited for this encounter. And I was really excited for this monster. He lasted less than a round and was instantly (laughs) petrified. But like, that is a memory we're going to share for the rest of our lives. Like we were talking about it. We're like, that was so cool. And like Savras saved us. And oh my gosh, it's going to be, it's just awesome. And I was like, it's the will of Savras. It's the will of savras. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, good. So that was really fun. Um we had a really good time with that. Um adventure league, I am now level 4. Um and we ended up fighting a roper uh the last fight. So we were we were fighting wow. this roper and we and ropers are scary. Like they are like stalagmite looking creatures that uh, Lucian's fought one. Um and we <laughs> came in and this roper was attacking us. We ended up fleeing from it into um a prison um, so it was a dead end but we took a long rest there so now we're level four um, we had a couple of other people join our table so we had th- uh, three level fours and two level twos and we were like well now that we are more than four people and one of us was level one at the time so we're like now that we're we were th- two level threes and two level ones we're like I wonder if we can fight this roper now so we decide to attack this roper what's interesting is uh, and what I wanted to talk about I guess is I am getting to the point as a dungeon master where I recognize certain monsters or I recognize certain traps and I'm having a hard time not metagaming. Mm -hmm. Uh, And how do you handle, like, can I not be a player anymore? Is I guess the question I have for the world because I I know this roper very well and partially is because I wrote it into an adventure, but the roper, uh, the DM was playing the roper a little incorrectly. Or as what I felt was incorrectly. And I was just like, no, it's not like that. It's actually like this. Or I just knew, like, we can't fight this, guys. We need to run. Like, I know for a fact there's no testing the waters to see if we can fight it. Like, I just know that we cannot win against this. We need to run. Um, Similarly is we were in um, another room that had a bunch of brown mold. And I, and it was and the DM was like, and it's very cold. And so your instinct is to light a torch and burn away the brown mold because it's cold, but it's cold in there because the brown mold absorbs heat. And so the minute you do that, you just create more brown mold that like attacks and envelops you. And that was another situation where I'm like, shoot, I know, I know all of this. Like, what do I do? Do I light a torch because that's what my character would do? Do I ask the DM if I can roll like insight to see or nature to see if I know anything about that? And then I guess I go off of that role, but I still know what if my character dies because of this and I could have prevented it because I was met. I don't know. Metagaming is hard and I never really thought it would be a difficult yeah. decision. Uh, can I not well, be a player anymore? Lucian? Can I, and I, I wonder
1: <laughs> here's the thing though. No, too Here's the thing that I always wonder if we forget, right? don't you think your character your bard would be more knowledgeable about the forgotten realms than you actually are
0: i would hope so but who knows i mean he's just a regular bard from bardsville yeah, the person who lives in so, the world
1: yeah so, like the person who lives in the world who has lost family members to brown mold whose fam- you know whose cities were attacked by fire giants who Obviously knows all of the tales of dragons and everything that's out there knows how dangerous the world they live in I wonder if sometimes we play our characters so much that we're the My characters never seen it before in this adventure So I'm gonna play as if I have no knowledge on it at all And I don't know if that's how our characters actually would be right because mm. a lot of times you're playing You could be playing an elf. That's 300 years old. Yeah, what'd you do for three years? Yeah, You know, so I wonder, I I get the idea, the fear, like I don't want a metagame because if I know the, I'm the DM and I know how many hit dice something is, or I know exactly what vulnerability they have or
0: or what. Like I knew that this roper had an AC of 20 and they were all just like, let's try and attack it. And I'm just like, we can't hit an AC of 20 guys. (laughs) Like we have like, and I was doing the math and I'm just like, we have like a 12% chance of actually hitting this thing. So we need to run. Yeah.
1: So, but I wondered, yeah, I think that's, it's, it's definitely a fear. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I'm starting to lean more towards. Maybe our characters are professional adventurers. Maybe mm. they know as much about danger and the things they're going to face and the things that they could come up, whether it was, from previous experience or stories that they heard passed down from generation or at bars or from other bards they listen to. Cause there's, we play those characters for, you know an hour, four hours of their day, but there's still 20 of the hours that, you know we just assume we just gloss over. So what were they doing during that time? So I, I don't know, I wonder, and as a DM I'm starting to lean towards nudging creatures a little bit here and there in modules or in things I play, just in case I have that player who's memorized the monster manual. Yeah. Because there's nothing that says that nobody can go and read the monster manual and know all the stuff about it. Yeah. That even if they do, the ones that they're facing from me are slightly different. And there's there might be a little bit maybe they're the same. Maybe they're a little weaker. Maybe they're not. It's like that whole idea of putting in a goblin in that maybe has six hit dice and looking at their eyes explode when they they're like, oh look, I rolled a crit. And I got 12 hit points of damage. I wrecked that goblin. He was like, nope, you put a scratch on that goblin. Yeah. I just watched
0: the whole table fall silent. I'm like what?
1: No, Did and, and I goblin? think
0: <laughs> that was one of the, the answers that I had. I was like, I think I need to find that DM that takes monsters and puts funny hats on them
1: so that yeah. Jordan
0: doesn't know what monster is what. Like if the the Roper, instead of being like a stalagmite or something, if it was something in a pit, like a, like a Sarlacc pit or something that was pulling enemies in and biting them, then it would just be like, well, it's similar, but I didn't know what that was right off the get-go. Like when we walked in that room and he's like, you see a stalagmite. I'm like, you wouldn't have pointed that out unless it was a monster. Gosh dang it, I know this is a monster. <laughs> Um, so I think that's the answer is finding a DM that does that. And I do that too. Like, it's just fun to mess with monsters and change them up. Um, it's harder when you're running, uh, adventure league because you have to run it exactly how the, the, you know, well, you don't have to run it exactly like you. It's still your game. You can do things, but like the the modules are written, you know?
1: Yeah, your kobolds and your adventure were very different. The ones that were running around in the were they kobold? They were in the tank, right?
0: Yeah, they were kobolds in the tank. Yeah, kobolds, right? But yeah. they didn't
1: play like normal kobolds for the most part. They had a lot of different stuff going yeah, on yeah. or stuff that we hadn't encountered before. Um, because we had the guys with the backpacks that were doing stuff right. that was really weird and yeah, so that was really cool. And I think that's what you need. And I think um, it's fun. Now I think it is fun if you want to play your character. Um, not negligent, but ignorant of something. Like mm-hmm. I'll give you a good example. Graybeard brought it up in our Storm King's Thunder campaign. Uh, we had our party. We had a black pudding drop off the ceiling onto an NPC guard, completely absorb him, <laughs> dead guard, and the party freaked. And and Graybeard, <clears throat> playing our barbarian veteran player, veteran DM played all and knows exactly what it is, but charges with his dwarf and his battle axe cuts the black pudding and now they have two black puddings that they're dealing with. And then and, the, and the whole situation gets a lot worse. Yeah. And then Tigre, who was our wizard, he actually didn't know about the black pudding, shot it with lightning. So oh, now goodness. we're dealing with four black puddings and nearly a TPK by the end of it, because all of a sudden two players hit it, did the exact thing you don't want to do against a black pudding. Right. And it made for it an amazing adventure, the way it played out. So there's merit to letting your character be ignorant Mm -hmm. but there's also i think merit to saying no you know i think my character might know in this situation maybe it's not every situation but you might say you know what i'm pretty sure my guy knows a lot about vampires they're a big scourge in this area i'm pretty sure we've all talked about how we should stop a vampire it's like i don't know should we try to stake him in the foot first should we try to stake him in the heart they're you know they're going to know some stuff or rely on your skills and somebody said in chat Make a role if you don't want to be the the, the decider. That's what I was going to bring up. Ask your GM, hey, can I make an insight to see if my character would know how tough this thing is? Like, have I fought one before? Have I seen one of these before? Do I have any knowledge of it before? Um, And I think that would be a good way to, to, if you're having misgivings or guilt Mm -hmm. over, wait, I'm going to use my knowledge. But I think you should be able to use that knowledge too. I think they're professional adventurers for a reason. And they've lived this long.
0: Like, the brown mold is a perfect example. Like, I, I wasn't thinking at the time, but I should have just asked, can I do a nature role to see if I know anything about this mold? Um, or, yeah. like, decide if I can get further information about this mold. And if I failed that, then it's just like, well, Jordan's character, it's cold. He's going to light a torch, and he's going to try and burn away this mold you know? Yeah. So yeah.
1: Am I the expert on this or not? Have I heard enough about this stuff or not? That happens in our campaign quite a bit. Our players have been pretty good in our West marches campaign, because one of the things I've done is though they have encountered some stuff that sounds normal to them. They know they're on another continent and things are slightly different. Mm -hmm. So they have been trying to, we have a druid who's like, well, I know nature and I know all kinds of stuff. And I was like, you do, but this is a different continent. So although you're an awesome druid back in the sword coast, you're just as new to stuff happening here as the fighter is or this other person, because you've never been here before. Um, so we've, we've tempered how much knowledge they've had, um, based on where they're at and where the location is and and a little bit of that. So I think it's a mixture. I think you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to, you know, like you said, you don't want to metagame so much that it's unfun and that the players around, like you don't want to be saying, Hey Joe, don't attack him with your fireball. Stop. Don't use your fireball. Use your lightning bolt. And then yeah. you tell, wait, use your arrow. No, no, don't use your sword. Use your arrow. Cause yeah. that's the annoying metagamer. The person who's not only telling everybody how to play their character, but is also, you know, trying to min max the encounter to the, to the possible, but that, that's sometimes adventure league you'll get that in adventure league no sometimes. you will
0: yeah and for yeah. the record that was not jordan and adventure league though this was an internal <laughs> struggle where he was like screaming like we need to run we need to run and then my players were just like well let's go up and hit it and i'm just like uh run run <laughs> but i dodge that's my, my action yeah i take dodge, I dodge as a bonus action <laughs> um and then so it's really exciting i'm a level four bard now we we ended okay. up killing this roper and then uh we found it had like a nest oh. and we Oh, yeah. I have a course. question. Level okay. four.
1: Ability or did you go feet?
0: I went ability. Yeah. Ah, I, I okay. upped my decks because I use my sword a lot. So, yeah. Human bard? No, I'm a half health bard. Half elf bard. Okay. Yeah. OK. OK. Makes sense now. <laughs> yep. Um, and we found um, a ring uh, that is turned out to be a ring of spell storing, which is my first magic item. And so magic items are kind of weird where like more than one person wants a magic item. So we decided that we would just roll D20s and whoever got the highest would get it. And I ended up getting it. And I was really excited. Um, I thought it was just a, a, spell that Jordan can pump spells into. So basically I get more spells during a session because I can, at the end of the day, I can be like, well, I'm going to pump like four cure wounds in this thing. And then the next day I'll rest and I'll have all of my spells plus an extra four cure wounds. But I was reading online and it, anybody can put a spell into that. So if I'm holding it in my hand, I can walk up to the wizard and be like, well, you cast a spell in my spells ring. And then I can use that later on. So now... My mind is just like going crazy with possibilities. I'm just like, there's a warlock in our party. I can get shield from him. I can get like, uh, armor of Agathis. I can get all this really cool stuff from my bard. And so my mind is just like going crazy with possibilities, um, of this cool magic item that I got first magic item I've received. And we have people in our party that re- have received magic items at level one. Uh, oh, and in an adventures, an adventures league, yeah, because they're playing like a higher level. Like we we'll, we were playing, like we were all level three and we were playing with a level one and we found a magic long sword and he, and he, we rolled and he ended up getting it. Um, and so it's like, he has a magic item, but the rest of us didn't. Uh, another cool thing about adventure league is you can spend money to in your money and downtime in your faction to get a magic item, like a plus one sword or something like that. So uh, I might do that and then get a plus one weapon. We'll see. But I'm, I don't know. I'm look, I look forward to Adventure League now every week. Like I'm having a lot of fun because I have a consistent table and a consistent group of friends now. I'm not yeah. just bouncing from table to table. And we're almost done with Forges of Fury, I think. So I'm excited to see what we'll play after this.
1: Are but. they going to actually play any of the released Tomb of Annihilation adventurely? Because that's the one that's going right now. There are, yeah.
0: So there are tables that are playing that, but they've started at the beginning and they're all like higher tiers, which is why I couldn't play with them. Um, Mm. But I am excited for, I I guess, September, they're going to release the Adventure League for Waterdeep. And I think a lot of them will, will be like, oh, let's switch over and play the, you know, maybe they finished... If they haven't finished Tomb of Annihilation, they'll probably finish that. But I could definitely see my DM saying, or I could just find a new table and be like, I would like to start a level one character and actually play in the Waterdeep adventure um, per Mm -hmm. the the rules of Adventure League. Because Adventure League, the actual Adventure League modules have rules that kind of are for Adventure League, whereas the Tales of the Yawning Portal is not necessarily... Um, for adventure league, it's just an adventure yeah, no, for it's different. you know level yeah. four characters. They, the yeah, adventures are more
1: concise. It they feel more meant for a single session. ish yeah. like TV shows. I mean.
0: Like you have this yeah. is the episode Very for this song. night. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, so I'd like to go through that. Our tomb of annihilation. I think we're playing adventure league rules, but I think we're playing the regular tomb of annihilation campaign with the one we're doing. Oh, okay. So. I, I would be very interested. I think I want to do the same thing. I might even want to put it online to run an adventure, the adventure league adventures yeah. on the channel, just yeah. to say, here, let's see what these look like. Cause the ones I saw that Adam Koble did from roll 20, they went back and did um, some of the old ones just to try it out. They weren't doing not the storm King thunders one, but they were doing um, Horde of the dragon queen. Dragon Queen ones, and they were cool little, yeah, concise adventures. They were really fun little things that they had to do, and it made for a really cool thing to watch because it wasn't so drawn out. It wasn't so like one session or one scene took five sessions to get through. It was like just each one was its own little concise, cool little story of mm-hmm. NPCs and things going on, and then they were done, and then they could go off and do something else. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool. So yeah. I, I'm looking forward to
0: that. Yeah. Um, man, I, I actually, I don't know, really like Adventure League. It's been fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I guess we've got four minutes left, but I have been reading so much. I bought um, a big old book of Dungeon Crawl Classics. It's which a big is, book. It is a big book because it's basically a monster manual, an RPG, our player's handbook, and a Dungeon Master's Guide all in one. Um, it's a nice thick book, but it is it was made in the... 2000s and it is an RPG that took the basic ideas of original dungeons and dragons and mm-hmm. updated it for like a modern not modern in the sense of like cars and stuff but modern as in just like uh well not modern at all it it upgraded or enhanced the experience of original dungeons and dragons was kind of their idea um and it's brutal and it's got a bunch of roll tables and it made me think of we really like the wand of wonder at my game. And we really like the randomness that can happen with monsters. Like I really want my players to fight a beholder because I can roll randomly on the eye stuff and just be like, this is what's happening. I'm rolling randomly. Like they like it when that happens. And Mm -hmm. dungeon crawl classics is nothing but that. Like there's mm-hmm. crit tables. You cast a spell. You have to roll a spell check, and it. And every spell check has like a percentile die for how how much the or how the spell has changed. So if you do higher, the spell is better than if you did lower. Um, and it's just and there's like backlash. Like if you roll a one, you have all these these crit fail uh, tables to roll off of. And it just seems really fun so i've kind of put out some feelers to some local friends to see if i can run a game for them and if they end up saying no or get too busy then i might do something online and we can record it and maybe throw it on the youtube channel or something but i i've been reading a lot of dungeon crawl classics and i'm really obsessed with it right now like (laughs) and we were talking before the the show started just like You you get that new RPG and you get really excited for it and you're like reading through and you're like I got to play it like right now and that's how I feel like it's just really exciting.
1: Yeah, it's whatever's in your hands and what you're reading is it just grabs your imagination. Yeah. And it grabs your mind and you're like I want to play five different adventures. I want to run five different adventures for my group. Mm -hmm. I think my players love this and they'd love that and the cool characters they'd make and all of a sudden and then you got to remember oh wait I'm still playing you know I'm still running my D and D game I'm still running this other thing I'm still doing. And I want to
0: run three adventures with this. So I want to run the level zero adventure where everybody has like four or five peasants and they, and then it's last man standing goes to level one. So it'd be kind of like what you were saying, like, like how you wanted to do 20 weeks of D and D and every week you level up. Um, This would be similar where I want to do three or four sessions of dungeon crawl classics. And every session would be a different adventure, a different dungeon crawl. Um, and you would level up. So the first one is level zero. And then the second one, we'd all be level one and level two and maybe end on level two or level three and just be like, that was really fun. Like that was, yeah. I don't know. It just seems really cool. And, and well, I like that I could do that. Like, cause I've already found a level zero adventure, a level one adventure and a level two adventure. And yeah. I could write my own, I guess, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to use these because they're just fun. And it has the feel of dungeon crawl classics where I don't really know the feel of, of DCC as well as I do Dungeons and Dragons to write my own yeah. adventure yet, so.
1: Or even just the idea that the, the land you're in has 20 dungeons within walking distance, all within a day's yeah. distance. They're all quite well known. Adventurers go and die in there on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> and some are known to be easier than others, but maybe not a lot of information is known about all of them. And the idea would be your group is just gonna go into one of them. They're gonna go for as far as they can. They get as much as they can. And when they come out, they level up and maybe they never go back to that one. Maybe yeah. they just pick a different one and they're like, okay, uh, let's do this one. It's called, uh you know, the fire caves. Who knows? Maybe yeah. it has to do with fire, <laughs> but we're going to go in the fire caves and we go as far as we can and we grab as much treasures we're willing to grab before we run out. All right, we're level three. Next week, we're going to do yeah. a different one. Totally. And it'd be, no, it's- it'd
0: be kind of. Well, it yeah. would be, and it's it's a simple premise, and you have to kind of like like it's less it's more playing a game rather than like augmenting reality. You know there are those people that want d and d to be like a real life thing, and so they want encumbrance rules and they want all this other stuff. but uh, DCC is just about like exploring a dungeon and and fighting there's very there's role play there, but it seems like it's more let's figure out puzzles and like kind of how old school d and d was, I guess yeah uh, yeah, yeah. It, the style I love. Yeah. I mean, and I you're love, not you're so not heroes. Like, like they they very emphasize that. They're like Dungeon Crawl Classics does not have heroes. You just have people that are like a step above peasant. <laughs> yeah. The person who survived so far is what yeah. you have. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I like the idea too. Like the opening scene should be at the tavern, and you have all the townspeople are in there. Something breaks into the tavern and the adventurers from the table jump up. And you, you describe them like as this great paladin warrior and this cleric and this rogue, and they all jump up to fight, and then they just get wiped out. Adventurers are dead. The gear and stuff laying on the ground, and then the thing leaves, and now it's just the NPCs are like, uh-oh. If yeah. the adventurers don't take care of this problem, that means we have to. It's <laughs> just like, I don't know how to use a sword, but they pick the sword up, and you're like, we got to do it. There's nobody else. The adventurers are dead. We have to do
0: it. <laughs> um and a couple of people in chat like a uh, classic, yeah, dungeon crawl classic on Hot Springs Island. I have thought of that. That was something that popped into my well, head. That would too. be two
1: birds with one stone. Two for birds you, with right? one stone.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how that would even work because I'd have to like really figure out how the monster system and and actually calculating damage and stuff. But that could be that could be really fun. Um, and then I have not played or read Mutant Crawl classics, but it's on my to read list now because I loved DCC so much. So yeah, (laughs) this was a lot of fun, guys. Thank you so much for coming out and watching us on our silly Saturday morning D&D show. Um, We will be back next week with maybe some more D&D news um, or just more games that we're playing. So
1: yeah, thanks for uh, Commander Root and Omnipotent Jelly, great names for follows today, and Greybeard hosting our channel today, which was really cool. Thanks for coming out guys. I love seeing new names, but I also like seeing all the people that keep showing up. Dawn seeker has been here a lot in indoor Adventurer. Um, we've been seeing Cyber-wolf. Cyberwolf keep showing up quite a bit. Graybeard's here. I saw uh, Lapointe. Nick showed up. They said he finally made it. He or she finally made it to the show on time. They didn't have to watch it on the YouTube, but if you did miss it, you can definitely watch this on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. It will get put up. Um, there was one other person I thought I saw that had been joining quite a bit. Um, I see no jets is in there. That's good. So, pretty good, pretty good discussion. Skull Dixon, Skull Dixon's been sending me messages. We're eventually going to play a game with Skull Dixon at some point. It's going to be a Teenage Ninja Turtle
0: role play game. Oh, that sounds awesome.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, that'll hopefully happen in the future here. So, but that's, you know, uh, the community's been great and you guys have been great. So, this makes doing the show super fun for
0: me and Jordan. Yeah, it's great. It's, I have, I look forward to this every week. It's just really fun. So, (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys so much again, and we will see you next Saturday for another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye. Bye. Take care, everybody. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.